Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. Remember, it's your prayerful and faithful financial support that makes both the live show and the podcast available. The first time I heard Carmen, I thought, wow, this woman's got a lot of energy for this early in the morning. I love her already. And then I was totally hooked. My relationship with Carmen is different because it feels very two-way. It's a two-way relationship. You know, when she says something on the radio, her people feel convicted to respond. I mean, she is able to invoke an amount of emotion because of her engagement and, and how raw she is. I mean, I'm talking back to my radio, which sounds crazy, but it's not uncommon. My husband will come, lean in to wherever I am, you know. If I'm in the bathroom brushing my teeth, and I, come on, sister, give it to me. <laughs> He'll lean in and he'll go, seriously, honey? And like, she is just on point this morning. <laughs> so it's good. It's good. Hey, maybe you're like Kim and you talk back to me during the program. Guess what? I can hear you. Yeah, I. it's supposed to be a conversation. So thank you so much for the times that, um, you know, other people wonder who you're talking to because it doesn't seem like anybody else is there. Yes, I'm here. I love it that we're spending this time together. So thank you so much. If you'd like to participate in extending this ministry to more and more people, you can do that by texting the word GIVE to 877-933-2484, or you can always give online at MyFaithRadio.com. If you're listening on the Faith Radio app, there's a way to give right there as well. Again, thank you so much for the time that we spend together. And yeah, go ahead, talk back to me. I can hear you. Thanks for listening to this encore presentation of Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Well, good morning again. It is the 23rd of March, 2022. We have been witnessing um, a war in Ukraine that has uh, now left cities like Mariupol in ashes. Um, People are suffering gravely. Lots of questions are being asked um, by people in the midst of all of it. You know, where is God? Um, Why is all of this happening? Death is now upon many around the world. We just talked about more than 40 million people being at imminent risk of starvation. Um, We live in days of deep grief. People are acquainted with grief. And we as Christians are confident of the faithfulness of God in the midst of all of that. And that makes us seem very, very strange to those around us. I thought that a reminder this morning of what... um, the writer of Lamentations had to say in chapter three. We, we often focus in this chapter just on um, the key verses that call to mind the steadfast love of the Lord, which never ceases, his mercies, which never come to an end, new every morning, great is his faithfulness. We often focus on uh, those verses, which are verses 22 and 23. We don't often consider the entirety of Lamentations chapter three. And so when you're considering 
where to be in the world in the word today, let me encourage you to spend a little time in the fullness of of uh, Lamentations chapter three. I almost said Romans. That must be a good one too. God just brought it to mind. It is a good one. They're all good. Um, but spend some time today in in uh, Lamentations three to bring into context the steadfast love of the Lord, which never ceases, His mercies, which never come to an end, new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Verses 14 to 20 in Lamentations 3 say this. I have become the laughingstock of all peoples, the object of their taunts all day long. I'm filled with bitterness. I'm sated with wormwood. My teeth grind on the gravel. I cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. And so I say, My endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. And then the writer turns in prayer. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It's good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord, for the Lord will not cast off forever. But though uh, he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. Let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. Lamentations chapter 3, as we consider The steadfast love of the Lord, which indeed never ceases, his mercies, which never come to an end, as we declare that his mercies are new every morning and his faithfulness great. Let us be um, people who stand in confident faith and remind people of reality, even in the midst um, of, of their current privation and war and challenge and fear. We're going to talk with um, Victor uh, after off next. He is from our partner ministry which is a broadcasting ministry uh, around the world. It's called the Far East Broadcasting Network. F-E-B-C is where you would find it. Um, And he has got an update for us from Ukraine. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. now, Victor Aktorov from the Far East Broadcasting Network. You can find it at F-E-B-C. Um, if you just type that in, you're looking for F-E-B-C Eurasia.org. But if you type in F-E-B-C or the word broadcasting, that's going to come up. Victor, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Carmen, it's good to be here. We would love for you to simply tell us some stories about your broadcasters in Ukraine, the status of the seven stations from which they were broadcasting prior to the war, how you're getting information out now. I mean, just bring us an update and tell us the stories. Sure. Well, first of all, the good news is everyone is alive. Uh, and that's and that's how we greet each other uh, every morning. Uh, we are alive, praise God, moving forward, um, pushing forward. And and that's that's the news today. One of um, One of the team members was wounded um he was just taking uh, as many of us do of course we do 
broadcasting and, and, and the rest of the day we do humanitarian kind of work, just helping people around us. And he was taking a family uh, in his car to safety on the way back. Um, uh, his uh, car cut like 17 bullets. He's alive and doing well, uh, healing. So, um, but this is the reality where, where we live. And uh, you mentioned seven stations. Uh, we had seven stations, then two of them were bombed. Um, and then we went and uh, fixed one of them uh, with the help from some friends in, in the city of Slavyansk. That's where the war started. So it is amazing. Uh, you, you know, we, we are talking about this, and I'm, I'm talking about people who risk their lives to do just that, to fix the station, to make sure that people can continue to listen to us. And people are so grateful. It is it is amazing the kind of responses that, that we receive uh, from people today. It is, first of all, we have at least three, um, most of the times, four times as many people listening to us as, as before. Um, the hunger uh, for the word of God is is just, just great. You were reading some scriptures um, in the beginning of this program, and, and you feel how powerful it is when, when you just go to the Word and, and read the scripture, and it is timely, it is real for people. Uh, it's always like that, but today in Ukraine, um, it, is, it makes such a difference. It makes such a difference when some of our broadcasters, uh, one in particular, uh, Igor, he he is doing a lot of that, reading the scriptures, and, and he is doing it in Ukrainian, which not too many people uh, did before the war. Uh, the scriptures were almost always in Russian, even for mm. Ukrainian speakers. And he's doing the Ukrainian uh, Bible, and when he does it from the shelter, which he often does, because several times a day and they need to go into a shelter, and people around him just just listening, and he has his mm. phone, he's connected, so he's reading the scripture, and the reaction of of the people around him, people are crying, sobbing. Uh, after after the program uh, is over, people come up to him asking for prayer, uh, asking what was this, uh, what was just happening. There's such an amazing atmosphere uh, as you share the word of God. So. So the response from the listeners uh, is great, amazing, well, uh, some, something that we've never seen before. Yeah, faith comes by hearing and, um, and, and hearing by the proclamation of the Word of God. It is uh, just to be able to hear the Bible in one's own language and to be able to hear it at a point in time when, you know, God has sil- tilled the soil of your life, like you're really ready to hear in ways that you were not prepared to hear um, even just a month ago, four times the listenership for FEBC in Ukraine. Um, tell us, I understand that um, some broadcasting is happening out of Moldova. Do I understand that correctly? And tell us um, then about, is it Edward, the director of FEBC Ukraine? Yes, yes, he is. Um, today he moved back from Moldova to Ukraine, but we are establishing a center in Moldova, and, and that's that's really helpful because Moldova is free for now. That means we have electricity, so um, we do some broadcast from there, uh, but most of it is still from Ukraine. And there is a city in, uh, on a border with Moldova called Chinitsi, so our main studios are there in Chinitsi. If we are pushed out of Genevieve, we'll just go to Moldova. So we have a place prepared for uh, for, for the broadcast. And, and we are working with a couple different locations. 
just planning ahead. Just, just we we don't know what the future will bring, and and we are not even trying to to see. We are trying to plan as much as possible for different scenarios uh, to make sure that people hear the word uh, of God as, as 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 the situation changes. The Far East Broadcasting Company, which you can find at febc.org, heard in 145 languages in 50 countries around the world. Um, we are talking right now with um, with Victor Aktorov. Um, we are talking about FEBC Ukraine, which is a part of FEBC Eurasia. Um, when we come back, I'm going to ask about specifically Pastor Sergei, um, or Sergei, um, his family, the people of his church, and his amazing reporting um, ongoing in Ukraine. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. If you go to FEBC, Far East Broadcasting Company, FEBC.org, and you click on live updates from Ukraine, one of the first people that you are going to meet in the live videos is um, Pastor Sergey, and I might mispronounce his last name, so I will um, uh, I will just let you um, pronounce it for us. Um, yeah, we are Sergey yeah. Nakul. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Tell us about him. He he's just I've I've already fallen in love with him as a brother in Christ. So um, uh, so Victor, tell us a little bit about Sergey. Well, Sergey is um, one of our key broadcasters uh, because uh, we we uh, have uh, a few pre-evangelistic programs and uh, a lot of biblical programs. So he's doing the biblical part. And uh, today, as as we talked before, the Bible becomes so alive to people, and and, and his programs are really listened to, and people respond. So, and uh, he took his family to safety and came back to. To Ukraine to, to minister to Kiev, as many people, of course, are moving away from the capital. He moved back and he's staying there at his church. I, I preached there. It's a beautiful building. Um, it's a, not a huge building, but but there is an opening in the wall. Uh, it's it's a cross, so the light comes through the cross, and it is um, today. It's a refuge place for people. People come there. And we give them some bread. Uh, we we don't do a humanitarian ministry uh, per se, but but we had to buy some bread to give to to people who who need bread. And that's that that's where he is. And at night he goes um, and uh, and patrols the city. Uh, everybody is doing that. Every every man Ukrainian uh, living in Kiev is doing that. And he. And a bunch of neighbors go around the neighborhood looking for for for, for the enemy, and of course, as as they do, uh, they they talk. People ask uh, him for prayer, and every single time he prays for people, every single night somebody accepts Jesus. It is amazing to to see how God is working working today, and it's from this kind of connection to people um, that that that's why his programs are so alive and real. Uh, he's not just preaching at people. He's sharing those stories. Uh, he's giving examples from real lives, and he's also part. Um, he's also uh, a part of our uh, team of counselors. We have about thirty-five uh, counselors, and this team is growing now because um, because more people are coming uh, to us. People who are qualified to to help um, the listeners, and and we are 
talking to the listeners uh, from from all over Ukraine nonstop today. And as you can imagine, so many heartbreaking stories, so many stories mm-hmm. where uh, the mothers don't know what happened to their sons in the war, uh, where are they, um, uh, so many people who lost uh, someone dear to them, every single one of our broadcasters, um, including myself, we lost someone. Hmm. So- I'm, uh, Victor, I'm so, I hope you know um, how ardent our prayers are, how serious our concern is, um, how piqued our interest, uh, but it's not, um, it's not as voyeurs, like, like, right, we, we grieve with you. Um, and we deeply appreciate your ongoing um, efforts to continue to broadcast. We have a hard time imagining how you're doing it, like how it's even happening. And so we we just implore God to continue to supply for the power and the network and the resources and the people and the safety um, on and on and on and on. Would you? Yeah, um, yeah. And, and and we and Carmen, we really appreciate that. I was talking to Sergey uh, the other day, and he's reformed. So uh, so he he he's joking about himself. He's like, oh, I'm uh, frozen, chosen. He says, you know, we, we kind of. Uh, and then uh, and then he says, um, but today we just feel your prayers. Um, and and he said, it. He said, we feel it by. Um, with our skin, with our inner being, we are living by your prayers. So um, the prayers of of your listeners are, are really appreciated because um, we, uh, you know, in the um, month of this war, um, the human resources, the resources of, of us as humans are depleted. We we would not be able to minister if not for for the power of the Holy Spirit, and and we realize that, and we are amazed at how God is using. Each one of us, as, as we share the gospel with people, despite uh, being exhausted, and that's that's where the prayers of of millions of people who are praying for Ukraine and for uh, for the broadcasters, for the pastors of Ukraine who are preaching the gospel. That's where the power comes from. I loved um, I loved the prayer that was posted on March the third um, by one of your broadcasters, a Ukrainian prayer for peace. Um, I'm wondering uh, if you would uh, receive our prayers today, and um, and I'm going to pause in the middle of the prayer and just invite you to speak the names of your team um, so that they can be prayed for by name, um, because you know them so personally, and we want to lift them up before the Lord. Could we do that together? Definitely. Father God, thank you for the way in which your word continues to go forth. Thank you for... Um, FEBC. Thank you for every radio broadcast. Thank you for every signal. Thank you for every broadcaster. Thank you for every word of scripture. Thank you that when your word goes forth, it absolutely accomplishes that for which you send it. Thank you for the precious voices reading it over the airwaves. Thank you for Victor. And thank you, Father, for these uh, members of his team whom he now names before you, and we all speak before your throne of grace together. That's Ina, Alicia, Anna, Nadia, Nadia, Alexander, Sergei, Edward, Maxime. And there are so many 
so many others uh, volunteers who are helping us. Mm. We pray for them as well. Father, you know each one of these precious people. You know their families. You know the circumstances in which they find themselves right now. You know the fears they face. You know the future that you have set before them. Father, these are our brothers and sisters, and we claim that reality in Christ Jesus right now. We thank you that you have knit us together as a global family of believers, and we thank you that we're going to spend eternity together with you. Father, we grieve with our brothers and sisters in Ukraine who have lost people precious to them. We grieve with Victor over his loss. Father, we ask that you would comfort them with the very comfort of the Holy Spirit. We ask that you would um, strengthen them in their inner being and keep them ever mindful that we are praying with them and for them, upholding them as our part um, in this effort. Father, grant grace all sufficient today. Grant Sergey the grace necessary to provide um, bread from his church as people are praying for daily bread today. We pray for snow, that people in Mariupol might have something to melt tomorrow to drink. Father, we pray that you would supply for every need here and around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you for praying. Absolutely. Victor, um, be encouraged. Please let us know how we can help. We want to partner with you um, and others at FEBC. Um, We love you. We appreciate your ministry. Please encourage your team um, and assure them of our ongoing prayers and support. I will. I will. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, I want to encourage everybody to go to febc.org. You can link there to the live updates from Ukraine, from Victor's team um, in the Far East Broadcasting Network. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. I love your um, engagement on the text line today. Just remember, it's always available. You can text me anytime, 877-933-2484. That uh, text line is always open. Love to hear from you. Um, A friend uh, texting in that the conversation with Victor was such a good reminder of her reading today in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promises. Amen. Amen. Um, the question of suffering is real. The question of suffering is before us um, all the time, maybe acutely so in these days. So the question of suffering arises frequently. I mean, like, why does suffering exist? Why do Christians suffer? How does Jesus' suffering inform our own? Looking a lot uh, at the Old Testament. Eric Ortland brings us suffering wisely and well. He joins us next to talk about the pain of suffering um, and the grief, the grief and the grace of God. We'll be right back.
suffering, um, something that we all experience, not all of us um, understand, and many of us have not considered from a biblical perspective. Joining us now, Eric Ortland. Um, today, joining us as the as the author of Suffering Wisely and Well, but also a pastor and a teacher. Um, Eric, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so much, Carmen. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, why does God allow suffering? Oh, boy. Well, what's a short answer that I can give to that? I think biblically there are many reasons why, uh, and the reasons are very varied. Sometimes in fatherly discipline, he's letting the consequences of our actions catch up with us. Sometimes we know some from very uh, famous and well-loved New Testament passages, he's growing us spiritually. Sometimes we learn from the book of Job, it has nothing to do with any of that. God is not trying to teach us a lesson. He's not angry with us. He's not trying to get us to improve. He's proving the reality of our relationship with him and our, our love for him as God and Lord. So you spend uh, the majority of the book, Suffering Wisely and Well, actually focusing on Job. Um, we think we know him well, um, but I think that you help us see just how misunderstood um, Job's suffering is by many people. T- talk, talk with us about what you learned about Job and about God and about suffering um, in, in writing suffering wisely and well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Th- thank you. Yeah. And I agree with you. I don't think the book of Job is understood very well, but I wrote the book because Job's story is so common. It's so common. Job, I, I think um, Job is in the canon because it reveals one dimension of our discipleship as Christians in which God allows some terrible pain into our lives. And it has nothing to do with anything wrong we've done. It has nothing to do with growing us spiritually. God is sealing us in in the only kind of relationship that will save us, where we love God more for himself than the gifts he gives us. As far as I can tell, this is the only book in the canon that explores and reveals and unfolds this particular way that God has of relating to us. Um, it's deeply moving to me. So, so we, I, I'm sure your listeners know the story of the book of Job, how, how the devil, the devil's initial accusation is Job says he loves you, God. He doesn't love you. He just loves the nice life you've given him. Take that away and you'll see how he really feels about you. I think that the book of Job is the only part of the book, it's the only part of scripture that reveals this particular kind of suffering and what God is up to in it, what he expects in it. What I find so moving about him, what I've learned, uh, well, many things, maybe most importantly, God will sometimes allow the devil to really go after Christians in a horrible way for a set amount of time, not forever. There comes a time where, where God just says, okay, that's enough. But God sometimes allows that. And he providentially works so that the opposite of what the devil intended actually happens. So if readers are familiar with Job, you'll remember the devil says Job will curse you. He will curse you to your face. It'll be a huge black mark on God's character, God's favor to say he does that. But the end of chapter one of Job ends with this moving line, the Lord is given, the Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job is, the devil predicted there would be cursing. Job is instead blessing God's name far more deeply than he ever has in in deeply painful worship. So uh, what the Lord is revealing to us is that God will sometimes allow terrible evil and suffering to, to you know, just a train wreck to, to go through our lives. He's not mad at us. 
He's not trying to teach us a lesson. He's providentially ordering us to seal, ordering it to seal us in our relationship with him to prove that we're really Christians. And he's going to be working it so that there's a, a, a deeply beautiful and painful, but deeply beautiful intimacy with him by the end, which is the opposite of what the devil intended. And I think about um, Job and the suffering that he endured, and it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. I, I suspect that yes. you know, there are times when something happens in our lives and we think to ourselves, wow, I've never suffered anything greater than this. And then a greater suffering, you know, we find a greater suffering beneath that and beyond that. Um, yes. You know, it, it Job's suffering just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, I, I'm wondering if um, that resonates with, you know, your observations about people that, you know, experiences that people have. We imagine that, you know, whatever the initial grief is, that, you know, that's going to be it. But then, in fact, you know, that uh, that suffering hasn't yet found its bottom. Yeah, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. And what is so I find the book of Job toward the end deeply joyful and comforting. I, I, mm. Even knowing the happy ending Job has, I just find it deeply uncomfortable because Job night, Job's nightmare, as you say, deepens and deepens. and de- You know, you, you think he can't lose anything more. Right. Then he gets really sick in chapter two. Then his, you think he can't lose anything more. His wife betrays him. You think he can't lose anything more. His friends come along and with the best of intentions, torture him. And yeah, I think that's true to life. If, if, if the suffering that God allowed Christians to go through always made sense, if it always issued clearly and obviously in other good, you know, in other good things in our lives that couldn't come about it any other way, well, that would make sense and that would be fine. And, and I, I suppose I'm not the only one who's played mental games with myself wondering, if that happened, how would I react? If that happened, what would I do? And sometimes God allows things and you think, oh my, I just never thought this would happen to me. I can't bear this. And then it can get worse. Uh, I I appreciate that the book of Job is in the Bible. This is not the kind of text that a religious huckster would write. God is really, he's playing fair with us. It's a deeply uncomfortable book, but God is playing fair with us about what he sometimes allows to happen for a limited amount of time. We're talking with Eric Ortland. We're talking about uh, the grief of Job and the grace of God. The book is Suffering Wisely and Well. Um, I like that you end each chapter with this, what have we learned summary. Um, first of all, that's kind of a gift to the reader. Um, because, <laughs> that's, the, you know, that's the teacher right? in me coming up. Yeah, I love that. I love that. You you tell us what you're going to tell us, and then you tell us, and then you remind us what we should have learned in case we missed it. Um, yeah, let, let's just talk for a moment just about the the discipline and experience of writing a book and uh, and your experience of writing this book. Yeah. Um, you, you know, I, I find I, I really enjoy writing. I find it incredibly difficult work. Just I, I, I deeply enjoy it. I find it deeply exhausting. I find writing. I have to practice grace to myself constantly because I, it is so hard to get through those terrible rough drafts. It's just so hard to get through those. At the same time, I'm deeply grateful for it because to even have Just the space and the time and the mental wherewithal to write a book requires the sacrifice of so many other Christians, so many other Christians who have written book, people in centuries past who copied out the book of Job for us, other Christians at the school that I work at sacrifice so that I have the time to write. Um, So it's a kind of double grace in the sense that I'm receiving grace from others just to have time to do to have the time to do this. I do find it, yet I, I don't think there's really anything as difficult and as joyful as writing, though. Um, 
seedofdragons.com. This was a little <laughs> bit of a surprise to me as I was preparing for our conversation. Um, yes. And, um, and your, um, your interest in such things. So, you know, take a minute and talk with us about seedofdragons.com and maybe why um, one of your brothers says of you best zombie novels. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so just just so everyone is aware, the website is not finished We're we don't have a lot of money to play with. We're building it ourselves. So it's you know, the Death Star is not fully operational yet. But um, I, I really like to write fiction. I think it's one of the things God has called me to. It's exceptionally difficult to sell fiction for a variety of reasons I can go into if you're interested. Um, I, I see in the Old Testament, if you're in Old Testament, one of the things you do is read the literature of the ancient Middle East from, you know, ancient Mesopotamia and Egypt. And you see the Bible constantly railing against the idolatry in its cultural context, but also stealing from the genres of its cultural context. So you can find a lot of similarities in the literature. I think that the monsters that our cultures create, I, I think there are opportunities for Christians to steal and to find a way to talk about the real God, critique ideology, and talk about the only Savior. I think it's very interesting to me that Paul says, outside of Christ, we are dead in our sins and trespasses. And our culture has invented this monster, a zombie, that's dead, but also very dangerous. It won't stay in the ground. I think that's very interesting. Uh, sinners in the image of God, will some who aren't in Christ, but who are still in, in God's image, the, the, the image of God has not been destroyed. It has been marred, but not destroyed. They will sometimes have amazing insights into the human condition that are really worth engaging with. So the, the zombie novel is my attempt to tell the gospel in a parable-like form to people who normally would never listen to it. Okay, so Seed of Dragons is going to be, you know, a book, a series of books, something? Mm. Uh, so, so Seed of Dragons... Because right we, now, uh, right now, it's a fire in a dragon's den, which I kind of love. <laughs> so I started a writer's collective with some other friends. We all love Tolkien, and we've named the collective Seed of Dragons after a beautiful poem by Tolkien that he wrote to C.S. Lewis before C.S. Lewis was a Christian. Uh, the, the, the name of the uh, zombie novel is actually Dead Petals, and I have another fiction novel mm. out called Eye on the Doorway. Both very, very weird and very different from the Joe book, but actually more related than you might think. All right. See, I love that. No, it's because most people are not, um, you know, they're not one facet, right? They're multifaceted. And so I wanted to uh, I wanted to wander around in that with you as well. Um, we are talking with Eric Ortland. You may be familiar with his brothers and his dad. We're going to get into a little of that in just a moment. Um, Eric Ortland comes to us today as the author of Suffering Wisely and Well, The Grief of Job and the Grace of God. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Why, God, do people have to die? A daughter or son, sudden and so young. All right, I Am the Doorway is a work of fiction that Eric Ortland released on January the 15th of 2022, like just a couple of months ago. Um, he's here to talk with us today about a piece of nonfiction, Suffering Wisely and Well, The Grief of Job and the Grace of God. Um, but this is just evidence that you are a many-layered onion, a multifaceted um, diamond. Um, I I like you already. You said a minute ago that <laughs> that, um, that you... Um, 
that fiction is very hard to sell. Can you comment on that? Because that um, that that sounded like a a bit of a revelation, and um, you know, might be a benefit for us to understand. Sure, uh, absolutely. Um, you know, a hundred years ago, people did not well. Even thirty years ago, people did not have Instagram. Uh, I guess they had television, so we'll stick with 100 years ago. They didn't have television, didn't have Instagram, didn't have their phones. So people who would not normally read, if they're bored, they're going to pick up a book. Uh, Fiction writers today have to compete with Netflix, Instagram, video games. And a lot of people are trying to write fiction these days. It's very, very difficult to get noticed. The market is very crowded. And when you do, it's, it's just difficult to get people to pick up a book. Um, for those who aren't naturally readers, there's going to be plenty of other things they can, you know, I'm, I'm not leveling a criticism here at all. There's going to be plenty of other things they can get involved with. Um, I was talking to a literary agent a couple of years ago who, who said that he thinks more people are writing novels right now than are reading them. I don't know if that's true, but I suspect it is. Uh, so I, I wrote that with that in mind. Um, I, I hit the reader pretty hard on the very first page and try to keep the pace up, keep the pace going as quickly as I can all the way through. All right. Well, I'm already intrigued. Ben Leventhal worked as a psychiatrist for years. He's never met a patient like Alex who can see the secrets of other patients and hold a hypnotic power over them. Never heard a story like hers. Anyway, there you go. Mm -hmm. I'm already I'm already intrigued. All right. um, I also intrigued that you chose a title that um, that might lead people to think of something else. Did you did you consider that when you picked the title? I am the doorway. Uh, Yes, I did. Writing is dangerous. Um, People can misunderstand what you say and mean. Um, People can take things the wrong way. Uh, It's dangerous. I try to be absolutely as clear as I can. And and in both the zombie novel and and the doorway novel, there are parts where I'm I'm saying the gospel so clearly in a parable-like form, it almost becomes a sermon, but I I can't let it go there because that's breaking faith with the reader in a way. And yet, yeah, I, I do worry about that, that, that people will say, oh, Ortland wrote a zombie novel. That's a really weird thing to do. Why would he do that? Uh, so, yeah, I probably sound overdramatic if I told you how much I worry about that. The, the <laughs> thing is, whenever I try to stop writing fiction, I can't sleep at night. So I just have to do it. I have to get it out of my system. So because I'm not really a science fiction um, person and because I didn't know that Stephen King wrote a book called I Am the Doorway in 1971, I thought that it was a reference, uh, you know, like cloaked, barely cloaked reference to what Jesus says of himself in John 10. So see, now ah. I'm fully in, I'm fully intrigued and and must now find out more. OK, here's my other <laughs> well, uh, personal Ortland brother question of the day. Yes, Gavin, Gavin says of you, uh, of of the Ortland brothers, that this is how we should distinguish among you, that Eric... Oh Eric, we should think Old Testament, best beard, and best zombie novels. Dane, we should think New Testament, best athlete. And Gavin, of course, speaking of himself here, um, historical theology and best looking. Is he, is he I, close? I, I 100% agree with that, except <laughs> that Dane and Gavin are tied for best athlete. And I'm, I'm definitely the old man in the group. I look older than my father actually. So it was deeply frustrating growing up with trying to play basketball with Dane and Gavin. They would just laugh at me. I was so bad. I just so uncoordinated and they're great at basketball. So I'm, I, I'm trying not to be too bitter about that still in my old age. Can you take us, I mean, you know, like one minute 
when you're growing up, you have a memory of, I don't know where you're sitting. Maybe you're sitting at the dining room table. Maybe you're sitting in the living room. Maybe you're in the car. Like, take us a moment into your family, because I do think people long to imagine and know how your parents got this so right. Yeah, thank you. I've had similar conversations with other Christians. Please, can everyone know, every single one of the Ortland family is a sinner in need of the grace of God. We grew up as sinners. We had to apologize to each other. I've apologized to every member of my family in the past, so we are all sinners. I mean, it really is the grace of God, Carmen. Um, The three happy memories I have, first of all, when I was a teenager, we would laugh together. We'd have dinner together as a family, and we'd laugh. Um, It was not perfect, but we would laugh together, and that means a lot to me. The second thing my my dad said to me repeatedly that meant so much was, in different ways, he would just say, Eric, I have no particular expectations for you. You can do whatever you want to with your life. You can work any job. I do not care. Just don't be a mediocre Christian. Mediocre Christians are miserable, live full out for Jesus in whatever way you want to, and otherwise, I'm happy. The third happy memory I have, and I'm almost certain my father doesn't remember this. The rest of the family was away for the weekend for some reason. My dad and I are eating dinner. He gets out his old record players playing his records from the 60s, which to me sounds so archaic. And he was exegeting the music for me. Some of the music was just party music, didn't mean anything. But there was there was a message. There was an ideology. There was a worldview coming through the music. And it was so helpful for me to see my dad exegete and interpret the non-Christian worldview and not believe it, but not despise it. He could engage with it. He could appreciate it, even though he didn't believe it. If my father hadn't done that, if my father's modus operandi had been all secular culture is evil, stay away from it, it would have been a lot harder for me to be to believe that Jesus was the son of God. The fact that my father gave me a framework to relate to secular culture that wasn't craven and, you know, cowardly and just giving into it, but that wasn't pharisaical and despising of it, that meant a huge amount to me. Yeah, for those of you who um, who don't know, Ray Ortland um, was uh, the the former and founding pastor of Emanuel Church in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, he uh, he's a very highly respected pastor, um, and he's the dad of um, of our current guest, Eric. Um, Eric, uh, as always, thank you so much for your ministry. Thank you for sharing this time today. Really fun conversation. The book uh, highlighted today is Suffering Wisely and Well. But now we all know we also need to check out I Am the Doorway by Eric Ortland. Eric, thanks so much. Thank you very much, Carmen. I've enjoyed it a great deal. Thank you. It's been really fun. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio, and we'll be right back. You ain't nothing but a hound dog. I don't know. It's National Dog Day. Puppy it's Day. It's not the dog. Puppy. Oh, Puppy Day, yes, not puppy. dogs. Apparently, dog days in August, puppy day. I don't think there's enough time between August and I don't know. I don't know how all that works. Maybe uh, the dogs had their day in August and they're having puppies today. I don't know. It's National Puppy Day. I have nothing. I, I have nothing clever or curious to say about it, Paul. Other than I do love dogs. You do love dogs a lot. <laughs> I know. That's Paul Perot, by the way. If you're wondering. Who is that magnificent voice that we're hearing? Well, Paul is uh, the producer of this program, and he actually makes the show happen. I just talk. So, um, Paul, as always, he, thank you. Uh, thank you so much. And you do your part ever so well. So, oh, Thank you, dear. So uh, it's also uh, Atheist Day. I would like to resolve that. I would like to depopulate hell 
uh, today. Let's have conversations with people who don't believe in God, and let's just ask them why. Like, why do you not believe in God? Because guess what? If you get somebody into a conversation about why they don't believe in God, you have gotten God into a conversation with a non-believer. That seems like a pretty good first step in the direction of uh, considering the reality of God. Um, And then you can introduce the goodness of God and what God has done. You can tell your own testimony. And if you say, I don't have a testimony, oh, yes, you do. You're a dead and resurrected human being. You've got a testimony. You are a witness. Have a great day. And God bless. I'm Carmen LeBurge. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Remember, it's your prayerful and faithful financial support that makes both the live show and the podcast available. Make your gift at MyFaithRadio.com.